0: But I want to propose to you this morning that The Apostle Paul had a totally different view of leadership And I think we can get a glimpse of that in just one verse And it's the first verse of the first chapter of the book of Romans You know, one of the things I found a long time ago in studying Especially in the New Testament and especially the epistles And the writings of Paul and John and Peter that You know, you can really learn an awful lot About the men from their greetings and from their and from their benedictions and so often we tend to overlook that particular part of the books when we're reading them because we want to quote unquote get into the meat of the passage but yet many times what they have to say when they begin a book and also what they have to say when they end a book tells us an awful lot about the men themselves And in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, I believe we have the secret of the success of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul says this to us. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, I don't have to tell you that when this particular epistle was written, the church was already beginning to feel persecution the church also obviously existing under the Roman Empire knew an awful lot about slavery about what it meant not to have freedom and not to have liberty and so the Apostle Paul begins his message by declaring that he is literally a bond servant or a bond slave Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said a moment ago, when you look through all of the epistles, all the letters that are written, almost all of the first century apostles saw their ministry in that light. That is, first and foremost, they were bond slaves. Now, if you were to have been a slave in the Roman Empire, you would have been a slave by captivity. And one of the ways in which a slave was identified in the Roman Empire was simply by the fact that many of them, especially household slaves, had an iron band placed around their neck. And that iron band was then soldered into place with two particular pins on each side. But that's not really what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. The idea of a bond servant is different. A bondservant or a bondslave is one that chooses to be a slave. That is voluntarily putting himself in that kind of a relationship. Let me illustrate it like this, if I might. When the Americas were first colonized back in the early 17th century, many of the people that came here from England did not have the economic wherewithal to get here. So what they basically did was to was to indenture themselves or put themselves under the control of somebody else who was establishing, let's say, a new farm in the colonies. And they would agree then to serve that particular person for seven years. At the end of the seven years, they would then receive their freedom and then be on their own in terms of advancing their own life here in the colonies. That's the idea, putting oneself In terms of one's own acquiescence into a position of being a slave or a servant I guess if you had to picture the Apostle Paul, it would be something like this You could picture him holding that band around his neck with his own two fingers That's the difference between being a slave by captivity and a slave by choice Now, you know, one of the hardest things for Christians to get a hold of in a society that knows nothing about that kind of servanthood is the fact that the Bible teaches us in the New Testament that real freedom comes through submission. Real freedom comes through submission. Now, that's a paradox or a seeming contradiction. But let me illustrate it like this, if I might. I have really been interested in watching... Uh, the America's Cup races from Fremantle, Australia. It has been absolutely fascinating to watch that whole sport, a sport that I knew very little about. But one of the things that has impressed me as I've watched every single one of the matches over the past two weeks was the fact that here you have a group of 15 crewmen. Every one of them with a different function on that 12 meter yacht. On that 12 meter ship. And here they are engaged in an event that literally takes three and a half hours. The current, the wind can constantly change. And all it takes is for one of those men to make one crucial mistake. That's all it, uh, that's all it takes. And they lose the race. Example. What if those men individually were not in submission to their skipper? you have absolute chaos on board that ship now what was the goal of the race the goal of the race was to win those men really experienced their freedom in that particular endeavor when they all submitted themselves to the task at hand it's just like that piano sitting over there you know you can have this kind of an attitude I want to be a great pianist I desire to be a great pianist but I'm never going to practice I'm never going to bring myself under the authority of that particular instrument I'm just going to waltz over to the piano I'm going to sit down and make beautiful music but what's going to happen? you know what's going to happen my point is simply this when is that person really free? when they bring themselves under the discipline of that particular instrument I can go on and on and on with examples The educational process is something that can actually teach you that kind of thing in your life. When are you the freest in terms of your academic endeavors? It's when you walk into the classroom, when you understand the material, and when you do well on your exam as a result of that. In a sense, you have exhibited freedom in that area. Now why were you able to do that? Because quote-unquote you said, I'm going to be free. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, I'm not going to study, I'm not going to discipline, discipline myself, absolutely not. You see, the reverse is the case. You really, truly are free when you bring yourself under the discipline of that particular endeavor that you're involved in. And that's exactly the way, young people, the Christian life works. Exactly the way that it works. And I'll tell you this, you will never be free in terms of being available for leadership until you learn that particular lesson. And one of the greatest examples of immaturity at any level of life is when a person does not understand this and has not wrestled this through and have not applied it to their own lives. Yes, you see, Paul was a bond servant first. And you see, because he was a servant first, because he said, yes, Lord, on the road to Damascus, that then freed Paul to be the greatest apostle of the first century. Now, do you get the order there? Look at the verse again. See, Paul doesn't begin by setting himself up as the leader. He begins by saying, I, Paul, am first a bond servant." And you see, Paul had the right perspective. When Paul had that in order, then he was ready to be used by God. And he was then able to become, as I said, the greatest apostle of the first century. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Now, you know, a lot goes into that idea of being called. But I believe the bottom line has to do with, once again, first understanding the fact that your role as a believer is that of a bondservant. First of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ and then secondly to your brothers and sisters within the christian community and this is and this is illustrated in many ways let me let me just give you a couple of, of illustrations turn if you will to first peter and i want to show you how this applies to the world at large to the world at large look at first peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 13 and here's that word again used by peter in this context submit yourselves not because you're trying to please somebody else. Not because you're manipulating somebody else. But what does the text say? Submit yourselves for what? For the Lord's sake to every authority. Now, now, young people, listen to me. You can't be any more specific than that. You, in terms of your submission, do not have a choice. And here we're even talking beyond the Christian community. Peter says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, see here's, here is a a corollary to submission. When you are in a proper relationship with God and those around you, what flows out of that is a proper relationship also with the entire community. You will do, they will do right, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. You see, there's a purpose in this whole idea. Look at verse Sixteen. Live as free men. You see, this is not something that's a bondage to us. We're to live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Now, young people, listen to me. And I want you to really hear what I'm saying this morning. You are in the process right now of having the opportunity to learn this great lesson of submission. Everywhere you go in this microcosm of the master's college You run up against these kinds of areas where maybe you don't agree with something or the way something is done But the higher calling is for you to submit Now you know that has to do with honoring and respecting people as well And you know many times I think we as young people can become really too familiar with relationships and because of that many times we do not give the proper respect to those who are placed by God in authority over us that is as practical as sitting in a classroom when you're sitting in a classroom and you decide for whatever reason that you're going to tune out what's going on around you and you begin a conversation with your neighbor you are showing a lack of respect for for three things. First of all, for God. Secondly, for the faculty member who God has placed in authority over you in that particular situation. And then also for your fellow students who who you are distracting because of what you're doing. That's how practical this whole thing is. Now let me give you another example. I want you to see how servanthood is absolutely the key to ministry. Turn back to Mark, if you will. Mark chapter 10. One of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament. Our Lord has just encountered the rich young ruler. And he has gone through that whole process of of how a rich young ruler can get into the kingdom of heaven. And it's really interesting. It's kind of like this whole conversation went on and the disciples didn't hear a single word that our Lord said. Because immediately, almost at the very end of that conversation, the Lord goes into a passage where He begins to predict His death. And immediately, what do John and James want to do? John and James ask the Lord a question. They haven't even heard what He's been saying. And the question is, can we sit at your right hand in heaven? Now you think that through for a moment. What really did James and John win? The right hand is always the seat of power. What was John and James really interested in? They were in, they had the cart before the horse. They were interested in power prior to servanthood. They wanted to lead before they served. And the interesting thing in this passage as you read down through it is, is that the disciples over in verse 41, they became indignant. Now I don't know why they became indignant. But I have a hunch they probably became indignant because they were kind of feeling bad that they didn't think of it first. Okay? I think there was a little jealousy here going on. You know, a little, a little turf battle going on. But you know, our Lord kind of sits back and He listens to this whole thing, and then He teaches one of the greatest lessons that He ever taught in the Gospel. Now you listen as I read this, beginning in verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. I want to stop right there. That is a very significant passage, especially to us in this gym. And I'll tell you why. You see, what the Lord is talking about there is that ethos that characterizes Gentile world powers and one of the great characteristics of Gentile world powers is power is the ability to get power so you can lord it over other people that's the way the whole political system works in America that's the way it totally works in the Western world and that's the, totally the way our culture operates and young people you better understand that because everywhere you go in life It is very pervasive, and in fact, unfortunately, many times, it even pervades the church. That power rather than servanthood is the ultimate thing to be grasped. Now, watch what our Lord says after making that statement. Not so with you. Instead, whosoever wants to become great among you must first be your diakonos, your waiter on tables. You first have to be a servant. Then look what he says. And whosoever wants to be first must be doulos, slave of all. And now here's the key. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served or ministered unto, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Young person, if your greatest desire is to be used by God in leadership, Then you really need to internalize what we're talking about this morning. Because you will never be used to the fullest, to the fullest advantage by God until you understand that the bottom line is servanthood. And you better understand if the bottom line is servanthood, you through the power of the Holy Spirit better begin to operate that way right here and now. It's not something you begin to internalize and put into practice when you quote-unquote get out there in the real world. It's got to happen right now. A bond servant, a slave, an attitude of serving God and others is the absolute foundation to leadership. And I would hope... That as this college grows and continues to have a tremendous impact on this nation, that this college will be known for leadership, but it will be known for a specific kind of leadership. And that is a leadership that totally is motivated by love for Christ, which is, which is then implemented through servanthood. This is heavy stuff we're talking about this morning, but it's absolutely the basis The bottom line, if you are really going to be used by the Lord Jesus Christ for the furtherance of his kingdom. And you see, Paul makes it so clear in that verse that number one, it all begins with servanthood. And then once that issue is settled, then God can really begin to use you. Let me add one more ingredient. It's the last part of that verse. Little three point outline here. I've never had homiletics either. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, first of all, his servanthood. Secondly, his leadership, called to be an apostle. Here's the third ingredient. Set apart or separated for the gospel of God. Now, Paul was separated to do a specific errand or, or specific work, if you will. And that work was to take the gospel, the good news, to the Gentiles. But I want you to know that there's a much deeper meaning when we use the word separation. Now in many of our circles you kind of get an extreme position. On the one hand we've got a bunch of people running around in evangelicalism that don't believe in separation at all. We'd call them antinomians or lawless people. They just simply believe they can act anywhere they want anytime because after all God's grace is sufficient and whatever I do God'll forgive me. That was one of the great heresies of the first century. On the other side we've got all the Galatians. We've got all these people that touch not and taste not, and they're all into externals. Everything is judged by externals. And you know what that produces? That produces a harshness, a legalism, the kind of thing where all of a sudden everything you do is externally motivated, and you do nothing because you really believe in your heart that it's the right thing to do, and you want to do it because God wants you to do it. You do it because somebody else is looking at you. You do it because if you don't do it this way, you know, you're going to be in trouble. And so what we have basically here are two extremes when it comes to the issue of separation. Now, young people, listen to me. And get this, in this whole process. Both are important. But being separated from, that is, from from the world, from worldliness, is only a means. It's never an end and when you allow that to become a means all that will produce in your life is harshness and legalism what you need to understand is is that there's a reason to be separated from the world and that reason is so that you can be separated unto God okay that's the issue one is the means you can't get to the other before you before you handle the issue of separation but the true issue Is that of being separated unto God Now what am I talking about there? I'm talking about what one might call progressive holiness It's the idea of sanctification The idea of Christian growth And so as as you begin to deal with a number of areas in your life, as you grow spiritually, what will happen? Because your greatest desire is to be more Christ-like, what you will find then as you focus on Him and not the other way, what you will find is more and more of this baggage being cut out of your life. Now here's the problem. Most of us focus in the wrong direction when it comes to separation we spend all of our time focusing over here I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do you know that's your whole that's your whole idea and whereas the real motivation ought to be this the real motivation ought to be as you are growing and as a matter of focus as you focus on Christ the closer you get to him what happens the more of his life the more of his grace the more of his holiness illuminates your life and what you end up doing as you grow closer to him it produces a real humility of life you begin to see more and more areas that need to be turned over to him and that's the real purpose of separation the real purpose of separation is so that you can be separated unto God and so Paul you see at the bottom line of Romans one puts down all three of these things first of all he begins with the fact that I've got to be a bond servant, And I willingly put myself under his authority. And because Paul did that, then he was ready for leadership. And his leadership, thirdly, could be effective because he was a separated man. He had the proper focus. Young people, listen. This is absolutely crucial for you to understand and to begin to internalize within your life. Now, you know, this holiness issue is something that we stress an awful lot on this campus. We desire to get you to grow in grace through a process of you voluntarily doing that. We don't want you to have to focus on a bunch of rules and on a bunch of regulations and to have you externalizing all these things. But I'll tell you this, if you're ever going to be used of God, this is a great place to start. And my desire for you this morning, young people, is that you really begin at this first step, and you really begin to wrestle in your life in a practical way of what it means to be a bond slave. How does that affect your relationship with your God? How does that affect your relationship with faculty and administration? How does that affect your relationship with your RAs? How does that affect your relationship with your fellow students? Do you really desire to be a leader and to be used of God? Listen, begin by being a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity.